Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up and welcome back to another edition of the DNBR Rams podcast presented as always by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top rated sportsbook app. Make sure you use the promo code DNBR when you sign up. Alright, we're going to go over some thoughts on CSU football after the non-conference slate. Some of them are takeaways, some are observations, I don't really know what to call it, but just some thoughts I have on my mind, some things I want to see moving forward with this team. Before we get into that, I did want to give just a brief Next Level Rams update, but uh, I just wanted to start here by, you know, just saying my thoughts and and my prayers are with the people in Florida. Absolutely horrific to see what's happened out there, especially in Southwest Florida, just tragic. You know, it's, it's crazy just seeing some of the videos from Matt Lachey. It's a small little fishing island community. My grandparents lived there for over a decade. and. In the last two and a half years, roughly, both of the places that they lived at, you know, various points in my childhood, their entire communities have just been decimated by natural disasters, like not not just, you know, damaged, like completely decimated, no longer even exist anymore. So much damage. It's it's crazy. It's just sad to think like I'll never be able to go, you know, back there, take my future kids there. It's hard to wrap my head around. Fortunately, you know, my grandparents are okay. And, you know, I just, I feel so much for everybody else out there. I'm I'm not trying to make this a pity party for me or anything like that. Clearly, just so many people going through such a horrific time right now. It's just crazy, you know, how how fast your life can change in in a blink of an eye. And I, you know, I hope we get relief and assistance for, you know, the people in Florida because it's just, it's terrifying to see. All right, man, kind of a kind of a heavy way to open this show. I was starting to get teary-eyed there thinking about just all the memories, you know, at, you know, just fishing on the back deck. There's this place, Burt's Bar and Grill, which was a really cool, you know, spot. You could get there by boat, and it, it, just, it no longer exists. It got completely decimated by the hurricane, which is not shocking. I mean, it was a waterfront property. It's just wild. Anyways, I'm... Recording this from the Western Slope, um, out visiting the girlfriend's parents, trying to enjoy the bye weekend. I hope all of you guys are, you know, taking advantage, <laughs> maybe getting, you know, something in good for your mental health, a hike, or, you know, just being productive, just genuinely trying to enjoy the weekend with, you know, no letdowns or, or setbacks. 
But I'm definitely thankful to get this opportunity, you know, get to spend some time with loved ones, explore, you know, the, the outdoors and give my dog a chance to be crazy, run off leash, all that, all that fun stuff you can't do in the suburbs. So it's, it's much needed. You know, I'm sure for a lot of you, this has been a much needed weekend, but you know, hopefully the, the audio is still coming in. Okay. You know, I'm not in my typical home studio setup, but we're doing the best that we can here. Before we get into some of these thoughts on CSU football, given next level Rams update as well. The NFL action is in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with the DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlay. Right now, for every leg that you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100% with payouts bigger than ever. Why would you bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on the stepped-up same-game parlay once per game day, all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, we're going to talk about CSU football here in just a second give some takeaways from the first month of the season, some things we want to see moving forward. I did want to start with a next level Rams update though, and shout out our guy, Ryan Stonehouse. He is the first NFL punter in history to record three consecutive games with a gross punting average of at least 55 yards. Currently has a 57.1 yard gross average. That's tied for second best in the NFL. His first game against the Giants had a 57 yard average. Had a 55.5 yard average in week two at Buffalo and a 60.3 yard average against the Raiders last week. Had a couple of really crucial punts when Tennessee needed to flip the field. What's especially crazy is Stonehouse's start. It isn't just rare for a rookie. It's not just that it happens to be, you know, an impressive three game stretch for a first year player. It's just an insane month for any NFL punter, period. That 57.1 yard gross punting average is the best. <laughs> since Mike Cyphers in October 2010. The next closest month was Shane Leckler for the Raiders back in 2011. He had a 56.2 net gross average, but his net average was only 38.6 versus 46.7 for Stoney. I mean, that's wild. His net average is close to 50 yards a punt. That's factoring in the return. So I don't think any of us are surprised here in Ram Nation. You know, I wrote a column after Pro Day, talking about how Stonehouse was going to get the respect that he deserves in the NFL that, for some reason, he just didn't get at the collegiate level despite, you know, breaking all the records, doing it for a five-year sample size, being impressive on the road as well as home. I know everybody tries to use the altitude argument against him, but the numbers just disprove that. And lastly, I just wanted to say that clearly there are some NFL scouts who should be unemployed because I just don't know what you were looking for. Multiple punters got drafted last year. Not one of them was Ryan Stonehouse, and that was after already messing up and not inviting him to the combine. That's insane. 32 teams. It's an absolute shame that he didn't get an opportunity to prove himself on national TV at the combine. It's an even bigger shame that he was never honored with the Ray Guy Award. I mean, what a shame. What a joke of an award. But Stonehouse is showing everybody in the NFL what we got to see for a half decade in Fort Collins. And that's just that he's an absolute weapon. 
I mean, his ability to flip the field is insane. The ball just explodes off of his foot. I've never heard anything like it. Hearing him punt in an empty Canvas stadium on Pro Day was, it was wild. I mean, it just echoed. Again, I don't think I'm saying anything to CSU fans that they didn't already, you know, know. But it's kind of a wonky process getting into the NFL as a specialist. So I'm just really relieved that Stonehouse landed in an opportunity. They saw his talent and they didn't let a relationship with Brett Kern, who had been there well over a decade, a really solid punter in the league for over a decade. They didn't let emotional ties get in the way of this supreme talent that they have in Ryan Stonehouse. And he's made the most of every opportunity and he's just killing it. And that's awesome to see. Could not happen to a better kid. It's worked his tail off and, you know, I'm going to be rooting for him forever. So it's awesome to see. What's also awesome to see, according to the reports from my main man, Ed Werder of ESPN, friend of the program, Michael Gallup should make his debut this Sunday against Washington. Tore his ACL on a touchdown catch in the 2021 season finale, or regular season finale, I should say. The fact that he's already, you know, looking like he's going to be able to return to the field is, is quite impressive, but it's always just kind of interesting to see how that plays out. I mean, Colin Hill came back in like six months, and that was not even his first ACL tear, and it feels like Jamal Murray's been rehabbing for like three years. It's, it's different for everybody. Um, it, it seems like the Cowboys have been you know, cautious with this practice, uh, process because he had been somewhat involved in practice these last couple of weeks, but they didn't force things. It's, it's good with a guy like Mike, you know, he needs to be able to cut. He's really explosive. Obviously. I mean, his just leg strength is insane, but you've got to be able to do all that confidently. And that's always tough when, you know, you're a receiver or a back or a DB and you're trying to rehab from a knee injury. Cause it just, it feels so weird for so long. Not sure how many snaps we should expect him to play at this point. I mean, I would I'd imagine they'd somewhat ease him back in, especially after, you know, what we've seen over the last month and now kind of wanting to to be rash, you know, just with getting him out there. But it's just really great to see. You know, I, I was worried when he tore his ACL in the regular season finale that if it didn't go well, there was a chance, you know, he ended up missing the majority, if not this entire season. And it's looking like he's still going to get to play the the vast majority of the 2022 campaign. And frankly, the Cowboys need him. They don't have Amari Cooper. CeeDee Lamb is is very inconsistent. I think Mike has an opportunity to show that he is the most well-rounded receiver, most dependable pass catcher on that team. I'll admit it fully. You know, I'm biased. I'm clearly a big Michael Gallup guy. I loved covering him you know, one of my favorite athletes to cover at CSU just because he was so talented, getting to see it firsthand was truly a treat, but he was also just a great dude. And that was the case with Trey McBride and, you know, David Roddy and many of the other great CSU athletes that have come through as well. But I've just always had a lot of admiration for Michael Gallup. He's, you know, been through so much in his life and he just, he always bounces back and he manages, you know, to to come back stronger, making more plays. So I, I have full faith that, you know, whenever he's full strength again, I'm, I'm sure it's not quite there yet. You know, he's going to tear it up because he's just, he's so skilled. His body control, his hands, he's not like the most physically imposing guy, but he's just nothing but muscle, really, really bendy. I mean, he he's just a freak. And, and that's why I, I think he has an opportunity to really prove himself. You know, I think CeeDee Lamb's a great receiver. You know, he's great in the open field. 
he also just tends to make the easy look really hard sometimes. I mean, clearly he had that brutal drop last week, but I mean, even going back to Oklahoma, he's just, I don't know, it seems like he has these mental lapses that I've never really seen from Gallup, who's just always locked in. Finally, I wanted to also shout out Shaquille Barrett, who, according to ESPN, currently ranks second in run-stop win rate. I mean, he he's just truly one of the most complete outside linebackers in pro football today. Everybody knew that he could get after the quarterback. I mean, he showed that in spades at CSU. We knew he was a playmaker. That was the thing that I thought was was really telling for Shaq when he got to the league with the Broncos was even when he was still getting surpassed, you know, for playing time due to draft politics by Shane Ray, whenever he would get out there, you know, get a spot start. I remember he had a game against the Browns where he's just making a spot start and he forces a couple of fumbles. He just, he's a playmaker. Like some guys find a way. And I don't know, it, it, it almost just feels like they're in the right place at the right time all the time. That's how I feel about Jack Howell to an extent. And some of that is probably luck, just keeping it real. But the best players create their own luck by constantly putting them in the best opportunities possible to make plays. You know, positioning, scouting, reading, they just, they do it all. And then it, it makes that extra difference on game day. And Shaq, to see the improvement that he's made in the NFL, it's just, it's incredible. He was a really talented player coming out of CSU. He's an elite player now. A guy that should be, you know, ranked in the top 75 of the NFL year in and year out. All right, let's move on. Let's get into some of those thoughts on CSU football. I want to talk about athletic greens real quick because, you know, I, I just, I didn't have time to get healthier, but I knew that I needed to. You know, I wanted better gut health, more energy, optimized immune system. But I'm not a guy that likes taking a million supplements. You know, if I have to take, you know, 14 different pills and three smoothies, like I'm just not going to do it. Who has time for that? Now I've been on AG1 by Athletic Greens for over a year. And it's perfect because I can just make it a part of my morning routine, get it done with. It makes me feel great. And it's just so easy. That's the big thing for me. It's just the convenience of it. Put it right in my water. Tastes solid. You know, it's got like a mild tropical taste and I'm good to go. Right then and there, I'm already getting 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. It's just a great way to start your day. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, aging, all the things you should be cared about. It's lifestyle-friendly, so if you're you know, keto, paleo, vegan-free, dairy-free, gluten-free, you're good there. Less than one gram of sugar, no artificial GMOs, no nasty chemicals or anything like that. Tons of people take some type of multivitamin. It's important to choose one that actually has high quality ingredients that your body will absorb. AG1 is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to help take great care of yourself. And what's awesome is you're getting all of this high quality ingredients. You're getting it for less than $3 a day. I mean, that's cheaper than going and getting a cup of coffee. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. Just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do, go to athleticgreens.com rams. That's athleticgreens.com rams. Take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. 
Finally, I also want to shout out the homies over at Breckenridge Brewery. They've got a birthday coming up, 32 years young, still looking great. To celebrate, Breck Brew is throwing a weekend-long hoot nanny. Kick off the fall with live music, food, beer, of course, games and more on October 8th and 9th at their Littleton location. They've got national acts like the Spin Doctors, local favorites like Railroad Earth Rockin' as well. Stay tuned to everything DNVR for hoot nanny giveaways leading up to October 8th. Check out the link in the description or visit breckbrew.com for more details on tickets and artists lineup. All right, cool. Let's talk about CSU football. It's been a rough month. I win four. The one thing I wanted to lead with here, though, is just the fact that it gets easier from here on out. And I know that sounds weird because you just lost to an FCS team. I don't think anybody had a lot of respect for Middle Tennessee coming into the year. But when you look at the strength of schedule nationally, CFB reference currently has CSU ranked 77th. I was curious, how does that compare to, you know, the rest of the Mountain West competition? What kind of teams have they been playing? Nevada, they played the 111th toughest schedule, according to college football reference. Utah State, 28. So they played a really hard one. That's greatly influenced by a trip to Bama and BYU. Still, though, tough games. Hawaii. 108, Boise State, 95, San Jose State, 123, Air Force, 124. CSU played one of the harder non-conference slates in the Mountain West this fall. That's not an excuse for how poorly the Rams played, especially in those home games. But the reality of the situation is that a lot of this conference would also be 0-4 if they played the same slate as CSU. And again, you know, I've, I've made this point a lot lately, but a, a large part of that has to do with the fact that the conference just is not that deep this year. It's not a lot of good teams. You know, I at this point, I don't expect a bowl. You know, I've, I've pretty much made it clear that I think you need to really think long term while still, you know, hoping for those moments of improvement and, you know, the instances where you could take be excited this season you know there's some guys that are really balling out you should still support them you're not just completely you know turned in ahead to the future there are games we still want to win but this first month just ended up being much more daunting than anybody expected especially you know in the summer i think most expected sacramento state to be frisky i mean it's an experienced team the big sky the best fcs league in america but it it just it ended up being real tough and that's not what you hope for when you schedule, you know, a conference USA team and a, an FCS opponent. But when you mix that in, when they end up being better than expected and you have to go to a legitimate top five team in Michigan and a Washington State team that at one point should have been ranked, probably not after that collapse to Oregon, but they're still going to win eight games. I mean, I don't know. I just I don't think there would have been many years where CSU would have done a whole lot better than, you know, two and two, one and three at best. And that stinks. It sucks that I'm just like conditioned to believe that at this point. But I mean, history doesn't really argue otherwise, at least in the last 10, 15 years. Shoot, I don't know. Maybe they need to just go the Nebraska early 2000s route and schedule nothing but cupcakes. <laughs> I think Adam Sandler in the longest yard talking about, you know, playing some nobody week one, you know, schedule some cupcakes. Kick the shit out of them. Get your confidence up. <laughs> Maybe the Rams need to do that. I don't know. But for the love of God, schedule Greeley or something if you're going to schedule an FCS team. The local matchup makes way more sense. They're terrible. 
you don't have the risk of getting run off the field like you do against South Dakota State and Sac State. I mean, I guess technically you have that risk against anybody, but <laughs> all right, next thought. State of the offense, been frustrating, no doubt about it. The the lack of explosive plays, it, it's it's been boring. Um, I mean, they've they've had the touchdowns, you know, here and there. It's just been really inconsistent at best. A lot of that clearly just comes down to the state of the offensive line. When you have five different combinations in five games, which is what the Rams are looking like they'll have against Nevada, it's it's just hard, man. You can't establish any continuity, and when you have no depth either, it, it just it makes it so much worse. Clearly, the quarterbacks have taken a beating. That's got to stop. I you know I think there's a decent chance we see Braden Fowler Nicolosi against Nevada. At this one, we'll see. You know, Clay wasn't able to practice at all this past week. I doubt he's going to be able to practice next week. We'll see. Again, we'll see. But I guess the the hope is that it probably shouldn't be this bad next year. <laughs> they're they're going to have a lot of open scholarships, I imagine. You know, you hit the transfer portal pretty hard. The, some of the guys that they're recruiting are very encouraging as well. But you know, you're probably going to be in a tough spot next season too, just in the sense that who knows how many of these starters are you know, going to be returning? A couple of Nevada guys should still be back, but you know, the, the other guys you added only had a year, so we'll just have to see. It's a tough spot. But kind of off of that, they've got to get the run game going. 1.4 yards per carry, that's abysmal. And it's going to be really hard to improve the passing offense and pass protection until you're able to get this run game going a little bit. I mean, you've got to be going for twice as much that on average, at least at a minimum. They've got to be able to alleviate the pass rush. I mean, if if teams are able to get home by only sending three, dropping eight in the secondary, and you're still not able to run effectively, it's going to be a long year. And there are multiple veteran backs on this team. So whether it's Vivens or Morrow or David Bailey, or Jalen Thomas, who I thought looked to get against Washington State, somebody's got to step up and start making some plays here. Don't get me wrong, it's been hard on them, especially with the offensive line, you know, not getting massive holes, but it's not all on the line. It, it isn't. And, you know, there's been some fumble problems. I feel like guys have gone down easy, you know, even in the open field, there have been some opportunities to go through some arm tackles, and guys have just been going down easy. You know, you got to fight. <laughs> You got to sometimes be willing to do a little bit extra. So somebody's got to step up, just point blank period. The O-line's got to be better, and these running backs, they've got to be better in pass pro. They've got to be able to make, they've got to be able to take advantage of opportunities when defenses are dropping, you know, seven, eight. You've got to be able to get positive yardage in that situation. So we'll see, but somebody's got to do it. Tory Horton, he's producing like a Blitnikoff finalist right now. Currently has more receiving yards and touchdowns than Richard Higgins had through four games in 2014. Michael Gallup had in 2017, or Trey McBride did last season. There's an opportunity, though, for others to really step up. Clearly, you know, you have way less depth at the receiver position than you came into the year with. You've lost four in the last month. You have a ton of talented freshmen, though. You know, we've already seen Justice Ross Simmons pop. I think we could see Lewis Brown, Makai Fox, you know, maybe Coyote, some of these other guys. I'd love to see more of Tanner Arkin and Gary Williams. I think they're both extremely talented pass catchers, and obviously they're big guys. They run fairly well. 
their miss, you know, their mismatches in the secondary. They're too big for most DBs. They're too quick for most linebackers. Cole Turner was a big part of that Nevada offense these past couple years, and we haven't really seen the tight end get established for CSU so far. And I mean, again, really, Torrey Horton is the only offensive weapon that's popped consistently. And then, you know, a couple of plays from guys here and there. But, you know, similar to the running back position, who's going to seize this opportunity? Who's going to take advantage? Somebody's going to get a chance. I mean, clear the staff. They've shown they're willing to put a bunch of guys out there. Keegan Hollis, the you know walk-on freshman, got some carries against Washington State. So, you know, th- there's going to be an opportunity. It's just going to be an instance of who can run with it. All right, let's just keep it rolling. I know I'm just kind of segueing from point to point, but I don't really know a better way to do it. Special teams play, it's just been poor all around. I understand that Ram fans have really high expectations, probably unrealistic expectations for punters, just if we're being honest with ourselves, looking in the mirror, honesty hour, reflection time here. Part of that is we've had a lot of studs come through here. You know, multiple all-conference punters, you know, going back to the early 2000s. Some of that has to do with the offense being really bad and inconsistent and those guys getting a lot of work. But, you know, I just think off of that, when you go from Hayden Hunt to Ryan Stonehouse and you get that for a decade, you know, that's a tough spot for somebody like Patty Turner coming in who does not have a lot of experience in his career. He's only played football for a couple of years. He's the rugby style. He's a little bit more conservative with his approach. They need him to flip the field better, though. He's left a couple of them really short. Sometimes that's strategic. You're trying to avoid a return. He's had no touchbacks this year. That's encouraging, but again... Being fair, I think some of that is because he hasn't punted the ball that far. Has you know one inside the twenty each of the last two weeks. You need more of that. You don't need him to be Stonehouse, but you got to be able to flip the field. And again, it's it's not just him because I'm not trying to dog Patty because I think it's been a tough spot. You know, kicking has not been good. Coverage has not been consistent. It's just got to be better. But it definitely feels like the Rams have constantly lost the battle for field position in this first month. And when you have an inconsistent offense and a defense that's had to play a lot, special teams can be your best friend. So we really need that to start being a strength for the Rams and kind of an area we can rely on. It's just, again, all of these things start to add up and it's just really hard to be competitive. Off of that, the defense clearly been in far too many tight spots. They've had to defend short fields basically every week. I get that. Not trying to throw them under the bus. We need more takeaways. We need them to create opportunities. You know, Jack Howell has three picks. Who else is going to step up and make some plays? You know, he's he's really standing out in what's a talented safety class in the Mountain West when you look at, you know, Reed at New Mexico and Skinner at Boise State. There are a lot of NFL caliber safeties in the Mountain West, and Howell's outperforming everyone so far. But you need some of these other guys to make plays, and they're capable of it. They're certainly good enough to. Angel King did some really solid things for Nevada. Aiden Hector was a small sample size, granted, you know, that shortened 2020 season, but he was a stud for Washington State. Especially now that Taiwan Francis is gone, you know, a guy like Aiden Hector, they really need him to step up. And I know we got to CSU late, you know, he missed spring ball. That's a tough spot. But now that we're a couple games in, you know, he he could be an X factor for this defense. Hopefully, you know, Henry Blackburn can stay healthy. But you just you need some more big momentum swings. And I, I think that they have some playmakers, especially in that secondary. And, you know, in the trenches, 
CJ and Mo, they've combined for six and a half sacks. They've been really, really disruptive. The rest of the team, they've combined for two and a half. You know, it's it's a situation where CSU, the top end guys have really looked great. You know, Tory Horton, Jack Howell, Onyeki, Mo. But the Rams are really top heavy right now. Those guys are all, you know, NFL caliber players. There's other talented athletes on this team. They need to step up. You know, we saw Grady Kelly get a sack the last game. That was awesome to see. We need more of that. Some of these guys in the interior. You know, Drew Keelick at linebacker, Cameron, whoever. Can't just be Jack getting picks, Torrey getting, you know, long touchdowns, and Mo and, and CJ getting a couple of sacks here and there. It's just, it's not going to be enough. You need other guys on the team to step up and start making plays as well. All right, the last thing I wanted to say here is as frustrating as this first month has been, I'm still really, really excited for the amount of arm talent that they have in that QB room. I think Clay has been solid. You know, there are things he can work on, sure. I think Braden, you know, his talent popped in that that first appearance. Jackson Stratton, you know, he's really impressive in, in some of the stuff we've seen in practice. And, you know, I've said it before, Giles is good enough to play somewhere. Like, he could be a starting quarterback in the FBS somewhere. You know, just a true pocket passer. There's there's room for quarterbacks like him. I, I don't know why he didn't get more attention at high school, to be honest. At this point, you know, I still expect it to be Clay that's, you know, the guy that's in the driver's seat, you know, for the next couple of years. But, you know, who knows if, you know, Braden gets an opportunity here for a couple of weeks, you know, if he's able to, you know, make the most of it, get some wins, you know, could get interesting. I don't know. They've got a lot of talent in that room, though, and that's, that's really exciting. I also want to shout out Todd Santeo, who uh, I took a lot of heat for defending last year. When when coaches scheme to his strengths, he can do some things. He's not the purest pocket passer in the world. You know, he's not going to pick you apart. But when you spread the field out, you let him run around, use his legs. He can do some things, and he's really killing it at James Madison. And what was frustrating is we would see that when they would go down big and they would have to go spread, you know, in tempo, you you would see he could do some things, but they were just so stubborn with playing a Dazio ball that it kind of hamstrung him from the beginning. Some ways reminds me Adrian Martinez was killing it for Kansas State after, you know, being used the wrong way at Nebraska for a bunch of years. It's just coaches try and shoehorn guys into doing what they want instead of just scheming to their strengths. And I've never really understood that. It's cool to see Todd killing it, though. You know, it's awesome to see him making the most of his opportunity. He was always a really good dude, despite, you know, really difficult circumstances. Had to constantly go up there and, you know, speak for the team. You know, loss after loss, that's not an easy position to be in. But he handled it with grace, and, you know, he was always respectful. I'm certainly rooting for him. I think it's cool to see. But I think it's just a great example of mismanaged talent that CSU had. And again, I don't think he's like the best quarterback in the conference or anything like that. I think the guys that CSU has on the roster right now are better peer passers than Todd was. But my point was they just weren't putting him in a position to be successful. And we're seeing that. Anyways, that's all I have for today. I still got eight games left, a lot to play for. You know, would love to see them keep the streak against New Mexico alive. Although, man, they're frisky. That defense is legit. They kind of collapsed a little bit in the second half against UNLV, but they were up 17-0 in that one. You know, it would be nice to get a border war win, but I think Wyoming's actually pretty legit. We'll see. But my my point is, is, you know, there's still reason for optimism. There's, you know, still stuff to be excited about. 
But, you know, the reality is, is it's a tough spot this year. It's just the truth. All right, that's all I have. Thank you for listening to the DMVR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Much love to all of you. Keep it real. Peace. Machetes at a deli in New Delhi Feeling scummy like Martin Scarelli Turn jam into jelly, then drink it like juice But water's the truth, so I sip on that too Skinny looking kid with no car keys Like the only thing I drive is RCRV's Got the stash like Steve Harvey Oh, I'm gnarly like non